الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله أسبغ علينا نعمه ظاهرة وباطنة وإن تعدوا نعمة الله لا تحصوها وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الواحد الأحد الفرد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وهو القاهر فوق عباده إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا والشاهد علينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له أما بعد My dear brothers and my dear sisters Allah's dear committed Muslims This month of Ramadan We pray and we hope and we ask Allah very sincerely to accept from us our sacrifice, our obedience, and our sincerity. At the same time, we look at ourselves and try as much as we can to understand the strategy of fasting. I know these two words don't come natural to average or above average even Muslim speakers. Strategy of fasting, they would say, with a question mark on their face. Yes, there's a strategy for fasting. It's not, fasting is not simply an individualistic, self-centered performance. You and I follow the ayat in the Qur'an and these ayat of fasting in which Allah in the most clearest or in the clearest of fashions and methods says at the end of these ayat that begin with Ya ayyuhal amanu kutiba alaykumus siyam 
And then, أَيَّامًا مَعْدُودَاتِ The following ayah. And then, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ In the following ayah. And then, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ In the ayah that follows. And then in the ayah that follows, أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ لَيْلَةَ الصِّيَامِ الرَّفَثُ إِلَى نِسَائِكُمْ all of these directives and all of this information winds up or winds down with the ayah وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَتُدِلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِالْإِثْ me وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ This ayah says without any ambiguity there are some ayat that challenge our pool of information our intellect but this ayah can be understood by anyone and it says something like this and don't devour your wealth among yourselves in ways and means that are illegitimate batil in Allah's record and his record keeping they are these means and methods are anathema وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَتُدِلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ And then you use it as a step towards those who rule, the rulers. And here Allah wants us to sense while we are fasting, while our consciousness is raised, why our sensitivity is fine-tuned, he wants us to realize there's a connection between wealth and power. Wealth gravitates towards power. وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَتُدِلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِالْإِثْمِ This combination of wealth and power leads to devouring people's assets, people's riches, people's wealth, people's money, people's possessions in a sinful way. This is what we have. If we can combine the sensitivity of our hearts with the insight of our minds, then we can find that there is a working relationship between those who accumulate wealth and those who concentrate power. Just by reading this ayah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed this ayah at the end of the ayat. 
that demonstrate for us how we should fast. وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَتُدِلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِالْإِثْمِ وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ While you know that this is happening. So Allah expects us with the ending words of this ayah to be conscious, to be aware, and to be versed on the fact that there is a deadly and a sinful relationship between power and wealth. And our fasting is meant to see to it that this fatal connection between those who have extravagant wealth and those who have disproportionate power, to see to it that these two are not combined. If we don't, if this is the strategy of fasting, if we in our fasting, we don't have any food, we don't have any water, we don't have any satisfaction of our appetites in Ramadan. And for those who are more Islamically committed, fasting in the days outside of Ramadan. If in your fasting you are not concentrating on the issue of wealth and power, as we are taught here in the sequence of these ayat, then it becomes a selfish and self-centered fast that basically has some benefits for the human body, but the human spirit has not been touched. And the human mind has not been stimulated by this fast. Now, I know we live in a world of traditions and conventions. Muslims go to the masjid because it's a tradition. Muslims go to hajj because it's a custom. It's something they inherited. It's not something that they absorbed through their heart and their mind together. So, when was the last time you heard khutbas, wav, lectures, presentations that speak about wealth and power from the minbar in the masjid? In Ramadan and in the rest of the year. When was the last time you heard such speakers concentrating on this issue? To try to push back this traditional ignorance, I'd like to mention to you that the word al-mal, the wealth, is mentioned 11 times in the Quran. The word mala which means just money or assets or wealth 
is mentioned seven times in the Quran. Malahu or Maluhu depends on where it is in the sentence. His wealth or his assets is mentioned six times in the Quran. Maliyah, halaka anni Maliyah. My wealth is mentioned once in the Quran. Al amwal, the plural of mal, the wealths, the monies, the assets, is mentioned 11 times in the Quran. Amwala, without the, just wealths, riches, resources, monies, assets, is mentioned three times in the Quran. Amwalukum, your monies, your assets, your riches, is mentioned 14 times in the Quran. Amwaluna, our monies, our assets, is mentioned twice in the Quran. Amwaluhum, their money, their assets, their riches, is mentioned 31 times in the Quran. When you add all of these up, see, we're, we're not speaking about some word that is mentioned at the end of the ayat of fasting in Surah Al-Baqarah. وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ Okay, we just ran into this word once in the Qur'an. So if people are not talking about it, the khutaba, the preachers, the lecturers, the shuyukh, the learned scholars, if they're not speaking about riches and wealth, well, you know, they say, well, it's mentioned once in the Qur'an. And, you know, here, okay. How many ayat in the Qur'an, how many words in the Qur'an are there? And this is only mentioned, we have, but it's mentioned a total of 86 times. And we're not speaking about relevant words, because when we speak about amwal or mal, wealth, and riches and assets and possessions when we speak about this word we're not speaking about related words there are words in the Quran that relate to this infaq nafaqa sadaqat sadaqa and other such words and if we want to total these up hundreds of times in the Quran Allah is speaking about this subject. And there may be speakers who spend a whole lifetime and they don't concentrate on these meanings in the Quran. You know, we in previous khutbas, we spoke about a lot of these issues. And some people may say, oh look, you know, the person is just expressing himself and he is not citing ayat from the Quran. Out of these, some of these ayat that speak about money in the Quran, I've chosen several of them. So people can rest assured that when their minds enter into the Quranic text that speaks about wealth and money, they are doing so with the guidance of Allah. 
In Surah Al-Mu'minun, ayah number 55, أَيَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّمَا نُمِدُّهُمْ بِهِ مِنْ مَالٍ وَبَنِينَ نُسَارِعُ لَهُمْ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ This ayah means, do they think, meaning these people who have all of this money, do they think because we are giving them more, that we are endowing them with more khairat, with more prosperity? It's a question. Do they think? The question here means, don't think. It's just like saying, if I appear to be strong or weak, do you think I'm weak? When in reality, I'm strong. Another ayah at Tawbah number 44. And these people who have this money, they hate to struggle on a course to Allah with their selves and with their monies. Or with their monies and their selves. And then there's that dialogue in Surah Al-Kahf between a person who has a lot of money and a person who doesn't have much money at all. Between a rich man and a poor man. قَالَ لَهُ صَاحِبُهُ وَهُوَ يُحَاوِرُهُ أَنَا أَكْثَرُ مِنْكَ مَالًا وَأَعَزُّ نَفَرًا The person who has all of this money says to other person who's you know, basically penniless, He says to him, I have more money and more manpower than you have. This is the bragging attitude of those who have this type of wherewithal in life. And you can take a break from this for a moment. If you're sitting in a room and a poor person enters that room, All of these are Muslims. I'm speaking about a room that is full of Muslims in the month of Ramadan when they are praying and doing their voluntary salah and staying up during the night and reading the Quran and expressing dua and all of this. These are the types of people you'll see. You go into a room and then a poor person enters that room. Look at them. Look at their faces. And then 10 minutes later, a rich person, an affluent individual enters the room. Look at their faces. Just observing the features on their faces will tell you they don't understand Allah and they don't understand His Prophet. This is a simple example, a simple procedure you can do for yourself. To show you how Ramadan has not penetrated our hearts and has not penetrated our communities. Inna ladina kafaru yunfiquna amwalahum liyasuddu an sabilillah. Those who are opposed to Allah and deny Allah, they spend their money to deter from Allah's course and Allah's cause. Surah Al-Anfal. In Surah Al-Muddathir, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, concerning these who have all of this money in this world, 
ذرني ومن خلقت وحيدا وجعلت له مالا ممدودا وبنين شهودا ثم يطمع أن أزيد كلا Now this is on the day of accountability on the final day before everyone takes their course either to bliss or to jahannam Allah says ذرني ومن خلقت وحيد leave me alone Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying and this is a form of speech for our own limited minds He says leave me alone with the one I created this is in reference to this person and this is it says in the ayah that, in the words that follow ذرني ومن خلقت وحيدا وجعلت له مالا ممدودا I facilitated for him extensive riches and wealth. وَبَنِينَ شُهُودًا And manpower that are witnesses to his case. ثُمَّ مَهَدْتُ لَهُ تَمْهِيدًا And then I prepared things for him. See, when this person was in this life, he thought, I'm doing all of this. I'm smart, I'm clever, I am astute, and all of these ego surrounding words. Allah is saying, all of this we did for you, but you didn't realize we were doing this for you. It went to your ego, to your nafs. So imagine Allah speaking and saying, Leave me alone with him. This is enough. If we have the sensitivity in Ramadan, this is enough for us to reset our own psychology concerning these types of individuals. And they're around. Don't tell me you don't know them. And that short surah in the Quran, I think most of us are familiar with. وَيْلٌ لِكُلِّهُ مَزَةٍ لُمَزَةٍ Notice with me that Allah begins the surah by pointing out people, individuals who defame and malign whoever they want. He says, an awful state is due to them. Wailun for every humaza lumaza. Okay, up until here has nothing to do with money, right? Okay, it doesn't stop here. Alavi jama'a the one who accumulates wealth and then begins to calculate this accumulation of his. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to spend it? Where do I invest it? How do I get more? in return and all of this cobweb mindset that he has I see another aspect that relates to money possession is usury people have all of this money 
and then they put other people in debt has to do with money it has to do with our fasting these people who are in debt why are they in debt because there's a definition a market definition of giving money it's not based on a pure heart it's not based on the care for the other it's not based on social solidarity no it is based on how are we going to make more money and I can go on and on there are many other uh, this ayah also you know how respective the Quran is towards Al-Yahud and the Nasara. Not the political Yahud and political Nasara. Those who are decent, church-going Christians, and decent synagogue-going Jews. But when it comes to this issue, he exposes their clergymen who accumulate wealth the same ayah at the end of the ayat of Siyam all of this expose and much more I can go on brothers and sisters and we can expose more the almost juvenile attitude of Muslims who ascend the minbar on Friday especially in the month of Ramadan and they are incapable of speaking about the strategy of Ramadan that leads us from conquering the urge to have wealth and power and the schemes to collect wealth and to concentrate power if we don't understand this objective of fasting and this lesson of Ramadan, I'm sorry to say that once again we will enter into the selfish cycle of I'm going to fast as an individual and Ramadan doesn't have a social program and doesn't have the love and the care of sharing and feeling for those who don't have a very important lesson in Ramadan is if we wanted to distill it into a sentence what we do in Ramadan remember take into mind human nature that wants money and wants power take that in, when I say this sentence take that into consideration we in Ramadan learn to resist what we crave our human nature craves money and power just like it craves food and sex 
Same way the craving is in us. We want, we desire it. We want it. So we resist that. What our internal self, and this is the way shaitan makes his way inside of us, we resist it. And then we endure what we abhor. Or we endure, we put up with what we dislike. If we put wealth and power in the context of this sentence, some people dislike sacrifice. They dislike not having enough. You have to put up with that strain of feeling inside of you. If you can't put up with, if you can't resist and you can't endure, then Ramadan has been an empty 30, 29 or 30 days. And the Prophet of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam says, Rubba sa'imin ma lahu min sawmihi illa al-ju'u wal-atash. You may have a fasting person and the only thing that he has of his fasting is hunger and thirst. No lesson to be learned, no objective to be gained. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه وأنتم موقنون بالإجابة الحمد لله الذي هدى وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولي النهى والتقى Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters This overall lesson of Ramadan should teach us how to understand the developments of today's world You heard last week, or the week before, that there were four ships that were destroyed in the area of the United, in the near the waters of the United, what is called the United Arab Republic, uh, excuse me, the United Arab Emirates, in the Gulf between Persia and Arabia. You heard that? It's not news. And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, the media, the mouthpieces, the lumaz, the humaza, the lumaza, they come out and they begin pointing fingers at Islamic Iran. Why are they so concerned? Why is that area of the world on everyone's mind? If that area of the world was growing bananas, and people there were herding their sheep and the illiteracy rate there was very significant no one would care who cares 
Oh, four ships were destroyed. Uh, some troublemakers around. They could be Israelis. They could be individuals on an assignment of some sort, a military mission or whatever. And no one cares. Why is everyone so concerned about what happens in that particular area? It's because of money. It's because of wealth. It's because of assets. It's because of the petroleum that keeps the industrialized world moving and going. Oman has re-established, has opened, reopened its embassy in Baghdad after 30 years. It closed it down, now they reopened it. What is going on? You begin to think, we begin to put these pieces together. This is one piece of the puzzle. Another piece. The United States State Department last week. Yeah, these are the issues we should be aware of in Ramadan. Don't go hiding. It sent out an advisory to U.S. citizens to be careful and cautious in Iraq. And if it's not necessary, don't travel to Iraq. It's another, another piece of this puzzle, which we don't have a, we, the general Muslim public, does not have a grip on because they are put to sleep on Jumu'ahs in the Masajid. And then the U.S. sent something like a floating hospital to the area of the Gulf between Arabia and Persia. You see, if we want to use the word Persian Gulf, some Muslims are upset. And if we want to use the word Arabian Gulf, other Muslims are upset. Just by being upset, who cares what you call it? This is just a matter of terminology and a map. But because inside of us, we still have not surmounted our nationalist, our historical, our cultural weights. They are still weighing heavy on our minds and our conscience. And then the, the Saudi regime is flying. This is the month of Ramadan, brothers and sisters. They don't care. They kill in the month of Ramadan. And they don't want Muslims to learn that the month of Ramadan will focus Islamic public attention on them in particular. If they only read the full range of ayat in Surah Al-Baqarah. And then the Iraqi Airways resumes flying to Damascus for the first time ever since 2011. All of these are happening in, in a part of the world that should be of concern to us, even though we may not be geographically and generationally, we may not be from that exact location, but we are Muslims and this area has to do with 
the first Qibla, the third Haram. So why, why shouldn't we be concerned? It just leaked out in this past week that Saudi Arabia offered, see, once again, we come back to money. They know how to hunt and fish for Muslims who do not observe the meaning of Ramadan. They offer them $1 billion. Jordan is in debt. $40 billion, the Jordanian monarchy, kingdom, owes $40 billion. So the Saudi proxies of the Zionists and imperialists, they motion that we are willing to pay you $1 billion. Okay, for what? These people need money. They don't fast. I mean, they don't fast in the full range of the meaning. So yeah, let's see if we can get that money. So what do we have to do? The Jordanians asked them, okay, what do you want? They said, you should, il- you should make illegal, delegitimize al-ikhwan al-muslimin, the Muslim Brotherhood. And here in Washington, D.C., they are still studying what to do with this organization. Are they to delegitimize it? Are they to classify it as a terrorist organization? What are we going to do? So it's not something peculiar to this capital here. Uh, the, the Saudi regime already did it. The United Arab regi- re- uh, the United Arab Emirates regime already did it. The Egyptian regime already did it. So, Jordan, you're in line right now. You have to fall in line. And this is the money. And what do you think? People who don't observe the strategic meaning of Ramadan, what are they going to do? Of course, we'll fall in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, give us the money or let's, let, let's see how we can deal with this issue. And then one of the uh, well-known Islamic figures in Egypt, his last name is Abu Futur. He's he's been behind bars for years now. Now they tell him you can't read a newspaper. You can't listen to a radio. You can't attend Jumu'ah prayers. You can't have your necessary medications. He went into the prison cell taking, he himself is a doctor, taking four medications. Now he's taking, he has to take 14 medications and they are skimping on his medications. This is the real world we are in. So what does your fasting mean? If you're looking askance. Oh, I don't want to. No, why mention these types? Why mention them? Are we not one solidified body of committed Muslims in the world? And then this minister of Hajj in the Saudi family regime. This minister of Hajj yesterday comes out and he says... Saudi Arabia refuses politicizing the Hajj. Okay, if that's your statement, then what do you say about the first 39 to 40 ayahs in Surat Al-Fadiha, Surat At-Tawbah, Surat Bara'a? Explain to us what these ayat mean, meant, when they were revealed in context, And if the Qur'an is valid for all times and climes, what does it mean in today's context? Explain. But no. They just, because they have money, 
and they think they have all the support that they want, they can make a statement like that and think, and so far they've been getting away with it, but think that they can get away with it into the future. The same minister says, the number of those who went to the Umrah this year has just went over six million. What a petty number. He's, he's right now showing off. Six million. That's nothing. Mecca and al Medina at least should have 60 million Muslims going for the Umrah every year. What do you think? We are dumb. And then he goes on and he says in an emphatic way, Saudi Arabia has never forbid anyone from going to the Hajj or the Umrah. You are a liar. I, among others, stand witness to the fact that you have barred myself and others from going to the Hajj and the Umrah or for any other reason. Maybe I have a friend there and I want to visit him. No, you can't go there. And this has been going on for many years now and you're lying to your public. You're lying to everyone who's listening to you. And then you have one of the military big shots in Sudan and you probably are aware of the developments in Sudan in the past month or two. And the military big shot now is in Saudi Arabia and he's being briefed by the king-to-be of what to do with the future of Sudan. And this person, if he hasn't fasted Ramadan, he will take the orders because there's money and there's power involved. The king, the senile, demented king of Saudi Arabia, has called for an emergency summit, a Gulf summit. Countries that are in the Gulf between Persia and Arabia. And an Arab summit. So far, the last I heard, eight countries have responded, yeah, we will be there on the 30th of this month, meaning the 30th of May. He wants to have a summit in Mecca. Listen to this. Who's politicizing Who's politicizing Mecca and Al-Medina? Tell me. On one hand, with one mouth, they say don't politicize. Don't bring politics to Mecca. And here's the king. In the same breath, almost in the same day, he's saying we're going to have a summit of politicians. And only if they were moral Islamic politicians, cutthroat politicians who are going to meet there. And then we have three prominent, among others, three prominent individuals in that kingdom who are behind bars now that the media in that country is beginning to infer that they are going to be executed after Ramadan. One of them is an Islamic scholar 
The other one is an Islamic scholar and author, and the other one is a media person, a journalist. Prominent. They are very well known with tens of millions of followers in the social media. And now the crown prince, who has been versed by the Israelis and the imperialist Washingtonians, you have to get rid of your own. And this is what they are trying to condition the public mind to accept. Executions after Ramadan. And with all of this media fanfare about American military movements in that region, the Saudi rulers think that they can get away with executions under the fear of a worldwide propaganda of warfare in that area. Everyone's thinking a war is going to break out, so on the sidelines we can execute these individuals. And here we are, Muslims, you're going to the masjid on Friday. You're listening to the khutabah. I, I, I don't know if you're listening or you're falling to, to sleep. If you're listening, what are they telling you? And then there's another Saudi woman who just appeared this past week in Greece. And she's asking the United Nations for some type of asylum. Some type of status that will keep her away from the oppression in her own home country, i.e. the Saudi clannish regime. There's been wildfires in, the, uh, in that region in the Eastern Mediterranean, Southwest Asia, North, Northeast Africa, there's been a, a few days of extremely extraordinary rising of temperatures. To such an extent, some of them were, were describing this as when people in Egypt turn the tap, boiling water is coming out. Well, this weather system has sparked wildfires in the Holy Land. And what does the Pharaoh of Egypt do? He sends helicopters to help put out the fires, to help the Israeli colonialists put out the fires in the Holy Land. And they're planning a summit in Bahrain. They picked Bahrain. They could have picked Morocco. They could have picked Lebanon or some other. They picked Bahrain to have a summit to sell out the Palestinian issue. The number $68 billion. Remember, it's money. If you're, if when, when you're fasting and you hear that Arabian potentates, heads of state, in addition to American and Israeli imperialist and Zionist officials are going to attend. Actually, this is the brainchild of an Israeli minister, the summit in Al-Manama, Bahrain. 
68 billion dollars are on the table so what do you want they're not going to give you this money free what do they want for this money they want to solve in a financial way remember we have a financier in the white house or in the white mansion now and this is the way he thinks he thinks in terms of money deals he spoke about he's speaking about the deal of the century so he has 68 billion dollars on the table and the arabian kings and presidents are around the table in addition to the israelis and maybe some others what do you want this is what we want we want you to have jordan become the palestinian homeland the palestinians who are in the west bank right now and other places they can come to jordan they become jordanians Jordan has 40 billion dollars of debt. We'll wipe that debt clean. You see the money. Why are we supposed to be fasting if we can't connect our fast to these types of incentives, quote unquote? Then our mind is lost somewhere. Egypt has, I don't know, Lebanon, a hundred billion dollars debt. You go along with us and we will write off your debt and Egypt the same way. This is the bargaining that's going on. They're selling us cheap. How much? Palestine is worth $68 billion. That's, what, that's how much it costs. This is how much you're supposed to sell. All of these years, all of these martyrs, all of these sacrifices now, you want to wind the whole thing down with 68 billion dollars the minister of economy from the israeli zionist colonizing state is going to be attending there not the foreign minister not the prime minister the minister who handles money is going to be there in manama bahrain and this is meant also this is the closest place they can get to the islamic republic so it's meant to be a type of message to them here we are in your backyard and we are wheeling and dealing what are you going to do is it is it coincidental that this king in the white house does whatever he wants is tightening the sanctioned screws on the islamic republic in iran in this frame of time and developments all of this you think is coincidental you probably heard that the airport in abu Dhabi. this happened last year but the footage of it just came out yesterday or the day before it was hit by missiles from yemen well that's what they're going to get they're going to get more if they continue in their aggression against innocent Muslims. And then we have a news item from Kuwait. Another, uh, uh, this, it's like an ongoing saga. A Filipino woman, a maid, was found dead after she had been raped. And now the authorities are looking into this. Does this news have to come to us in Ramadan? But this is what is happening. All of this is happening in the month of Ramadan. 
and we are supposed to be fasting and we are supposed to be understanding these types of developments. Unfortunately, the Saudi paid speakers in the masajid and Islamic centers, they want to give a dose of tranquilizers to the prayer attendees. What do they speak about? Can anyone tell me what on earth are they speaking about in times like this when preparations for war are on a footing and we are two inches away from bloodletting? What are they speaking about? Or they don't care. Yeah, that, those are the types that don't care because they consider all other Muslims to be kafirs. And we have Muslims that go and pray with them. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'a. Wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaba. Wa la taj'alhum ultabisan alayna. Wa ja'alna lilmuttaqina imama. ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا أفرغ علينا صبرا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم ربنا افتح بيننا وبين قومنا بالحق وأنت خير الفاتحين ربنا صلي وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وعلى إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر أجعلتم سقاية الحاج وعمارة المسجد الحرام كمن آمن بالله واليوم الآخر لا يستوون عند الله والله لا يهدي القوم الظالمين إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة